Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos O'Neill. And I am Nicole Abshire. And we are eager to continue our conversation about gender, gender, about all things gender, because as we learned from our previous interview with Ash Hall, there's a lot of different uh, labels and identities and a lot for us to learn. And as we were listening back to the episode, we realized we should probably slow down and define some things. So everyone is on board with us and we have that good foundation so let's get right into it. That's what we're going to talk let's about, right, Nicole? <laughs> yes, that's white. That's that's white. No, that's right. <laughs> Excuse my language. <laughs> yes. So to start out with, uh, and Nicole, we're going to do a little q and I'm going to ask Nicole some questions. She's going to give me some answers. We just want to start with defining things, as I mentioned. So Number one, Nicole, tell us, what is gender identity? So gender identity is how one identifies themselves. So, you know, whatever you feel like you are on the inside may not be what you look like on the outside, but it's how you identify yourself. So like, what would some of those labels look like? Um, I am a woman. I am a girl. I am a boy. It's those things. It could be I am non-binary you know, meaning that you don't really identify yourself in either category. Um, so yeah, those are some of the examples of someone's gender identity. Gotcha. I think I had this question for later, but I'll ask it right here. So would non-binary folks also consider themselves trans? Like, are those synonymous? Well, okay, actually, I should probably back up and say this is based on my experience with my family and my research. And in no way do I want to at all take some sort of broad platform here and think that I'm speaking for other people. So this is all from my understanding. Uh, my answers are all from my experiences, but I certainly wouldn't consider myself the be all end all expert. Um, but I have done some research and I do know some things. So, um, so this answer, I don't know that it will be true for everyone, but this is my understanding, which is that transgender has become more of an umbrella term. And, you know, if you just kind of break apart the two parts of the word trans and gender, gender, right? Trans meaning sort of like, you know, you can trans meaning like go between, right? Just even that part of the word. And so what it, I think, used to very specifically mean was that it was someone who did not identify themselves as the sex that they were born with. So a transgender woman would be someone who was born with male sex organs but identified as a woman okay. and then vice so it's versa. What they, their identity. So not necessarily meaning that they've gone through a surgery or anything like that. It's, it's a very personal thing, it sounds like. 
Absolutely. And actually, that's another good point, right? It's like once you take one step in, you start to realize all the little offshoots that are affected. Yes, I think that it is, I have learned, right, that because there's a lot of confusion around this, there's a lot of disinformation and misinformation. I think some people mistakenly share things or have impressions. I would say that when it comes to medical care and surgery, that's sort of the last thing that would even be on our list of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think this has so much more to do with how people identify themselves from a like the inside core of who they are and has much less to do with physical body characteristics. Gotcha. Okay. Although that being said, some people do feel a lot of gender dysphoria, so they don't feel comfortable in their body. But I think what I'm just meaning to emphasize here is that it, while there are physical characteristics that matter, I just wouldn't want the emphasis to be on those. Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay. This wasn't on our list, but now I'm thinking about it. So can you tell me what gender dys... Wait, what's it called? Dysphoria Dysphoria. is? Yes. Again, my understanding. It's when (laughs) someone doesn't feel as if they were born with the body that represents how they identify themselves or how they feel. There is, there's a dysphoric feeling. There's, they don't feel right in their body. Okay. Yes. That's good to know. Um, it's just an interesting word dysphoria. Like to me, it feels a little pejorative and I'm like, is that right? Am I on the right path with that? Or is it just, yeah. Like what is that? Why is that? Well, you know what too, maybe this is a good time to bring up the fact that all of this is in fluctuation all the time, right? Like all of these words that we're defining now, I are kind of moving targets. They they change and they evolve just like all language does. Right. I think Mm -hmm. we find more nuanced meaning to it all. So I could very well be a little behind. Like maybe my definition of gender dysphoria, maybe there's a better word for that now. Um, Like, in fact, I just learned a a moment ago when I was doing a little research, I've always called my children gender non-conforming, thinking that that was a great way to describe them. But then I happened to read a definition that actually said that, that actually by using the term gender non-conforming, you're limiting because you're saying that there is a gender to conform to that a better word would be gender diversity so to say Uh, that my kids are gender diverse didn't even realize that and didn't realize that there was sort of a connotation so yeah things are things are evolving it is Mm -hmm. and so it's sort of like just kind of buckle in and be comfortable in the discomfort like just realizing that you're going to be always learning at least that's yeah. what I have figured out. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. And yes, the fluidi- fluidity of language, <laughs> which uh, is very critical because while this might be how things are today, it could be different tomorrow or in a year from now. And uh, as our language gets more inclusive, it probably will change. So I mean, it just point. is. And we should normalize that, right? I mean, if you just think about it, right, there are words that were said just a few years ago that we would never dream of saying now, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody could probably just in their head really quickly think of racially charged words that you would never say 
now, right? Language does evolve. This, this isn't like unique to gender identity in this discussion. So, cause I, I can just like, I can hear people getting worked up about the idea that these words are moving targets and that you have to learn and people feeling frustrated and wanting to push back against that. But just the truth of the matter is that is how language works. That is how exactly. society works. Yeah. This we is nothing new. We learn. This is not new. Mm-hmm. As Ash told us in the interview, binary, non-binary people have always been here. They just haven't had the language to describe themselves. Or there the ability go. to be visible with any sort of safety, right? Exactly. But. Great. Okay. Well, let's move into the next term. So what is gender expression? So gender expression expression is how one expresses themselves, so how they appear to others. Um, and so that may be more of a feminine presenting appearance. It may be a more masculine presenting. It may be androgynous. It's not really masculine or feminine. Mm. All right. What is sexuality? And so sexuality is who one is attracted to, right? And, and let's point out too, that these things may or may not overlap, right? Right. They may all be sort of what we would consider consistent, right? I would say that those terms for me are in a traditional sense, keep in mind, what we consider to be sort of consistent. In other words, I identify as a woman, I express in a a fairly feminine way, and my I am attracted to men. So I am heterosexual, right? And cisgender, mm-hmm. I was born a woman. Um, but for some people, those things can all look very different. Um, they may express in a sort of masculine way, but identify as a woman. And they may be attracted to men, right? Um, so there, there's no, there's a lot of deviation and that can sometimes, I think, also throw people off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think even too about the interview with Ash, how we're starting to have the language and identify these different subsets. And that feels, at least to me, kind of new. But it's like, I think some of us jump to because it's new. We don't like that. We're very resistant to it. Uh, but I wonder why. Like if you're a little bit like, well, too much, just ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? (laughs) Um, And know that you're not alone. I mean, it's not, um, that doesn't make you a bad person or, you know, somehow not open-minded. It means, I, in my opinion, it means that you were raised with certain, in air quotes, norms. And we all absorb Mm -hmm. those. Like that is, again, something that's very normal. We all grow up experiencing the world in certain ways and we absorb that information that we're given. We absorb that way of looking at the world. Mm -hmm. And so when that changes, that's, that's uncomfortable. It's confronting Mm -hmm. and not unusual. Um, I I want to say something though, too. I just realized that the way I just described myself, I think I used the word consistent and maybe I said traditional, I want to make sure like there's no, 
I don't have any intention in that of, of sort of doing like an, and I'm normal and right, anything right. out of that is abnormal. Um, so anyway, just a little bit of, a, no, that's well, I think it's there. A, I'm glad you mentioned, well, even just the idea of normal and other, uh, it's interesting. Cause I, Ash even said something about this in our episode about how otherness should be celebrated. Um, and yet when otherness were confronted with it, there was a lot of resistance and a lot of like suspicion. Um, and I think it is because we're so used to having these binaries in our mind, like normal, not normal, you know, uh, but it's, it is a process to kind of break that down and even, and even look at it and be like, wait, where, I didn't mean normal. Where did that come from? It's just so ingrained in us. So it's a process to kind of deprogram, to reconsider and, you know, challenge those, those assumptions and norms we've had for so long. For sure. And it's really easy to feel, well, shame, honestly, in that confrontation, especially uh, for me in my journey, I think when I realized how many, how many assumptions I had or how many kind of hidden beliefs I had or blind spots, it was really confrontational. It was tough for me to think, but no, but I'm a really open-minded person. (laughs) I had to get, you know, comfortable with the idea that recognizing my blind spots doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I don't, I don't need to carry shame about that. Instead, I can embrace the fact that I'm being confronted and that I'm willing to look at those blind spots and learn new things mm-hmm. and try to update my worldview. And, um, but it is, it can be really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're, we're not perfect folks, so we're going to do our best to improve, but recognize we're going to fall and that's okay. We just keep trying to get a little bit better each day. Okay, let's move on to the next uh, term. Um, so we talked about this in the show, and I was like, we should probably define it. LGBTQIA+, that community. That's a lot of letters. Not everyone might know what each of those letters mean. So can you spell it out for us, Nicole? Yes. So this is another one, actually, where when I was getting ready for today, I realized, oh, I had one of the letters wrong. Okay, so um, L, lesbian. So lesbian, G, gay, B, bisexual, T, transgender, Q, queer, I, intersex, A, asexual. Yeah, I thought it was allies, but turns out it's asexual. And Mm -hmm. it also could be different things, different places, but that's the, that's the most current thing I found. So, um... Well, and I think the interesting part about that too is that that shows kind of how there's a lot within this conversation, right? Because within those labels that I just named, there's sexuality represented, there's gender represented, there's right there, there's physical mm-hmm. characteristics. Like there's there's a lot. It's a big umbrella, um, so that adds, I think, to some of the the learning that needs to happen. Right. Kind of the categories can be, it can feel like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're all kind of mixed in there and you're probably backing up like, wait, I thought this was what? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so queer, I'm a little, do you know what, what is queer exactly? That's the one that jumps out to me where I'm like, I'm not totally sure I know. 
Yes. And that I, I can very confidently say is a, a, an evolving term. My, my current understanding of queer is that it is an umbrella term um, for someone who is, their sexuality is not the norm. So not heterosexual. So it can be anything. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think it includes asexuality, pansexuality, mm. bisexuality. It's an umbrella term for a lot of things. Okay. It's an umbrella in the umbrella. <laughs> yes. That's what yeah. it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Cool. Okay. So um, I'm curious about pronouns. You know, I, I think more often when we're filling out forms or paperwork, we're being asked what our preferred pronouns are. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, why that's important for us to ask that and be respectful of pronouns? Well, I think it's important because it shows a level of respect for people. Um, I think it automatically creates groundwork where you are saying to someone else, I respect how you identify yourself and I am willing to extend that respect by using pronouns that, that you designate for yourself. I think it's just a real ground, you know, a space for establishing respect and, and, and you can see right how in some circles pronouns have been kind of weaponized as a really shortcut way of being disrespectful, a refusal to acknowledge what someone's chosen pronouns are as a way of saying that the, how you see yourself, I will not acknowledge, I will not give you the respect of believing you, and I don't want to engage with you in a way that's respectful. So... Yeah, I think that respect component is really worth highlighting. This is something that rose sort of to the top for me with our interview with Ash Hall, uh, how this whole, you know, understanding gender identity, it's really about being respectful of other people and how that is such an act of loving one another. And I, and I never really thought about it that way. Um, but for me, that was a good moment to be like, this is why this is important to give time to and dig into. And hopefully other people, maybe that's their entry point is like, I want to be, I want to, I like, I believe in reciprocity. I want to treat people this way. I want them to treat me that way back. So likewise, you know, I want to be respectful of others and hopefully we'll get that back. And, and as we're talking about politics, we'll see a political environment that values different opinions because they all matter and I know we say this a bunch, but we're all living here. We're all in the same boat. So let's find a way to um, to work together and not rock it for the, for like rocking, you know, we're not, I don't want to throw people out or rock the boat. Like I want us to move forward together. Yes. And I think too, acknowledging someone's pronouns or choosing to use the pronouns that they have told you, that they identify with, I think some people who choose not to somehow see that as uh, some sort of endorsement maybe, or mm. um, that they, it's somehow like immoral or something. And yeah. 
I think the interesting thing, I, that's, I, I struggle with that, right? It like, why, I don't know, this constant need, I guess, to sort of give approval or not. Like, I think, why can't we respect each other's choices? That doesn't mean anything for you. You don't have to change your pronouns. You don't have to explore your gender identity. It doesn't mean anything for what you have to do to extend that courtesy, right? It doesn't, it's not your own internal thing. It's just respecting someone else's. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and yeah, for folks who are like, who are like really struggling with, with adopting that change, just try it. I mean, you might use the wrong one, you might mess it up, but you have to try and fail maybe a few times to get comfortable with it. I think for a lot of people, that hard part lives in that discomfort, um, but it can be overcome. So if someone says it can. my preferred pronouns are not what you think they are, just try it. I, I know I, I get caught up in my head about this, like, oh, how am I going to like say they? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'll figure it out. It's a little bit of a, you know, mental, not leap, but, you know, like correction. But you can do it. We can all do it. if we You really can. Try. Yeah. Well, when I started, my child uh, uses they, them pronouns. And that was really difficult for me at first. It really just, my mouth <laughs> really struggled You're like, to use those pronouns. <laughs> it just felt really funny. Um, you know, and then there's all the questions about like, but what about how do you um, conjugate the verbs? Do you say they is because it's one person? No, you still conjugate the verbs the way you always did. But you just know you're talking about one person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is surprisingly becomes comfortable. It is getting over the hump and believe you me, it felt very funny in my mouth, but then I got used to it and now it just does not feel like a big deal at all. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. I like this. Okay. So Nicole, um, as you mentioned a little bit about your family, would you like to tell us any additional things so, so that you know we can further connect to our audience? Something that we talk a lot about is just the power of stories and how our personal stories might move people uh, in a way they didn't expect, but hopefully create that, um, connection and that empathy. So what's your experience been like with your family regarding gender identity and some of the things we've talked about? Yes. Well, I will, um, I'm going to try to toe a line here, right. Between sharing the parts that I think are mine to share and being mindful of not sharing the parts that uh, my children would would not want me to share, right? It is um, a fine line to walk. But so, yes, I do have two children. I have a 14-year-old and I have an 11-year-old. My 11-year-old identifies as non-binary, and that process started when they were eight. And it was, it kind of rocked my world. Um, As open-minded as I believed myself to be, uh, it definitely took me by surprise in some ways. I mean, it's one of those deals where then once I started kind of reflecting on the earlier years, I could see a lot of kind of signposts, you know, things along the way mm-hmm. that uh, came together that then when uh, my kiddo identified as non-binary, it made a whole lot of sense. Um, so for me, that meant going on a learning journey and 
So I started with books. Um, and so I read, well, that's actually probably not actually where I started. I started with trying to meet other moms, um, who could guide me. And yeah. how do you find those moms? I happen, well, I have a great friend who works for the human rights campaign quite a bit and she hooked me up. <laughs> she had <laughs> a community of people that she could introduce me to, which was so lucky for me. And so, you know, I met one person who introduced me to another person who introduced me to another person. And I, so I wound up meeting someone here in Austin. She was so generous and kind and immediately said, Hey, you want to meet for coffee? Uh, so we did and had a great, really, really helpful and welcoming conversation. And at that point for me, I mean, I was still kind of in the mode of, of, of being really emotional about it all because I just kind of didn't know what to do. And so she very generously and graciously held my hand and said, okay, here's the book you want to read. You need to join our Facebook group. Uh, we are here. If you want to call me, let's have a play date with our kids. Do you have a therapist yet? I mean, she just really kind of took me down the path that I needed to find comfort and to also just kind of lower the temperature on the emotions that everything is going to be okay there are resources, there's a community, it's going to be okay. So I started reading, we found a therapist, we, you know, just started doing all the things to, to learn. And, you know, the easiest part was accepting my child because they were still the same person after they shared the news that day from the next day or, you know, to the next day, every, they didn't change it was just kind of us around them that needed to adjust to, you know, new pronouns and a new learning journey and all of that. And yeah, so that's, that's what we've done is mm -hmm. learn about it all. I also had to then become kind of the ambassador for the rest of my family. It meant, okay, and how are we going to share this from or to that next circle out? You know, you've, we had our our nuclear family. So then how do we tell grandparents? How do we tell aunts and uncles? How do we tell, you know, and you just kind of keep moving that circle out. And, um, so for both of us with our moms, my husband and, my, and I, you know, we could just have a phone conversation and a face-to-face -face conversation that was actually really, you know, in air quotes, easy. I mean, you know, there were still lots of questions, but it was, they were very accepting and I realized they had to learn too, but if their immediate response was just full of love. Mm -hmm. Um, beyond that kind of close circle, we had a little more work to do. Um, my family is pretty conservative. They live in West Texas. That's just not, um, not something that you see a lot there. I know that there are plenty of folks, I'm sure, in the LGBTQIA community that live in West Texas, but not very openly. Um, and so I, the way that I handled that, if you've listened, anybody, you may have heard me say this before, but I wrote a letter to each of my family members that I sent to them with just some basic education, which was defining gender identity, gender expression, sexuality, um, clarifying that we weren't going to talk about sexuality, that my kiddo is a child. And so that's just, it's not appropriate. And also it's private, but 
I did, you know, explain about the gender identity change and, and there wasn't really an expression change, right? Cassidy had always expressed a little, um, opposite to their, their birth sex. So, and I felt like that was the right thing to do because with a letter they could have their own personal private reactions. Um, and then I also was pretty direct in the letter that, if they had any questions that I was definitely here to answer them with an open heart, but that if there was any, anything that they felt uncomfortable with or kind of disapproved of that to please not ever raise that in front of, of Cassidy to please share that with me and we can work it out as adults, but that I would never want that to happen in front of Cassidy. And it was great. It was fine. Yeah. So after you shared the letter with your family and then you saw them in person, did you follow up and say, do you have any more questions about the letter or did they come to you or was it like, okay, that's done? Like, what was that (laughs) next step like? Well, I don't know if anybody else has a family like this, but I have the kind of family where um, everything's fine. We pretend and maybe sometimes it's not pretending, but everything's fine. So no, I did not have any follow-up questions. Um, you know, there was a little bit sometimes of a, of a family gossip, gossip session. And so sometimes I will get little whisperings, uh, you know, that I will hear, but I no nothing direct. And I mean, I, I, I know one family member was very against the use of they, them, um, yeah. just thought that that was ridiculous they never said that to me, this particular family member. And I decided that that was okay. Like I'm, that's, you're allowed to feel how you feel. You're allowed to voice that. And if it's in my company, I will certainly have a response, but because it wasn't, then I'm going to leave that alone. So mm-hmm. has it changed at all for that family member or are they I don't really know. I mean, here's what I will say, right? I think a lot of us have gone through a lot of change in these past, how many years now? Two to three years. And um, my family is no different. And so what our family looked like at one time is not quite what it looks like now. Um, And that has, there's a lot of reasons for that, right? There's, there's COVID. There Mm -hmm. is the Black Lives Matter movement and and the killing of George Floyd and Brianna Taylor and, and a lot of what that, uh, brought up. Um, cause also for people who only listen and maybe don't watch on YouTube, I am biracial. And so most of my family, this particular part of my family that I'm talking about is the white side of my family. So there's, there's just a lot that we're navigating. And so, yeah, it's, I don't, it doesn't quite look the way that it used to. And I think there's yeah. a lot of reasons for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what would you suggest to other parents who have children that are going through, maybe are questioning their identity or, you know, wrestling with that? How would you, what would you say they should do to inform themselves and be a good support system? Well, number one, I would say offer yourself grace because it's, I don't think it's easy. I just don't. And so just be graceful, gracious with yourself. And then also I would really encourage 
you to reach out and I am here. So go to our website, hit our contact form. And in the notes, you could just put, Nicole, can you get in touch with me? Um, and I will happily email you back. Um, and, and we'll then, probably add you th- to the newsletter, but you'll love it. And Nicole <laughs> will personally get back to you. <laughs> yeah, let's let both happen. Um, and then also, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, obviously that is okay. And I would highly encourage you to find a community. And there's so many ways to do that. You can, uh, you could go to Out Youth. That's a, an organization here in Austin that helps children and families of queer kids. And I know that they could hook you up with a lot of resources. So I've done caregiver groups there. They're super kind, very welcoming, never want you to feel um, guilty or ashamed. Like they are, they are very kind. So there, there are lots of resources and we'll also put some, how about in the episode notes of this? So you can look there too, but yeah, reach out, find people and offer yourself grace. Yes. Yeah. The one thing I'm thinking about that you said regarding your personal experience is how you felt really emotional in the beginning because you didn't know what to do. And I thought about like, I think in our lives, we kind of have this roadmap and we're like, we're going to go over here. And then it I'm imagining that probably felt like I got a little ripped up or completely changed. And then you're like, I, I'm lost. And that's a really hard experience to, to like sit in that lostness. So whether it's with this or with, with something new, you might be wrestling with having that emotion is, yeah, like we're saying, not bad. It's, it's an emotion and it's something that we can move we can move past and you're not going to stay there. We're going to try to help you not stay there, but to get somewhere else, maybe get a new roadmap that actually might take you somewhere even better. So um, just want to highlight that. Well, this is journey. a good time to share too, that I, I went through a grieving process and I actually like found a book to go through an actual process. Yes, because I had to grieve the vision that I had had mm-hmm. for my kiddo. Luckily, you get to replace it with something, you know, that's also amazing. But it definitely was, it took some letting go for sure. And that can be difficult and painful and can lead to some major feelings of guilt. But it can, it can be done. And you can come out on the other side and find a lot of of joy and peace. And, but yes, grace, because it isn't, it isn't easy. Yes, yes. Well, thanks for sharing, Nicole. Um, I hope this is helpful to other folks who might be listening and going through something similar or maybe not directly, but indirectly. It could be a family member of theirs and this might help them go through that journey and have it not be as challenging because they have they have a place to go find a new roadmap and, and new resources to consider. Yes. yes. And I am definitely here to be a resource. I have been gifted with so many kind people along the way. I would love to help anybody who needs help. Yeah. So reach out to us. You can go to gobehindtheballot.com, send us a message. We would love to hear from y'all or find us on social media. And uh, yeah, let us let us be a resource for you as well, particularly Nicole. She's really great in this area. Or anything else before we sign off? I think that's it. Great. Yeah, well, thanks for listening, lot. everyone. There's <laughs> a lot. It doesn't end here. There's other things, but we're, we're eager to keep going with you and keep learning. So we'll talk to you soon.
Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.